There are some upon this earth of yours, returned the Spirit, who lay claim to know us, and who do the deeds of passion, pride, ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selflessness in our name, who are as strange to us and all our kind and kin, as if they had never lived. Remember that and charge their doings on themselves, not us. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens Thank you all for joining me again on another episode of Not Quite Cold. This episode, Christmas Spirit, is something where I hope you learn, reflect, and enjoy. Most of us are pretty familiar with the Charles Dickens classic story, A Christmas Carol. There are three ghosts, the past, present, and the future, that come to Mr. Scrooge and show him what those Christmases are like for others. Be a horrible person. But there's one thing about that story, a tradition. A Christmas Carol was published on December 19th, of 1843. And there is one tradition that I wish we still all followed. And that is the tradition of telling ghost stories after eating the Christmas Eve meal in the Victorian era to listen to ghost stories of the past. Now, I'm sure that you're thinking, how do ghosts tie in with Christmas? Well, If you think about it, when the holidays happen, we tend to become very sentimental about the people that have passed and the loved ones that are still here. We begin to reflect on the things that happened to us and get ready to begin anew. That initially is why they began to tell ghost stories as a Christmas tradition. They usually would gather around after the evening meal, get coffee or tea ready, and sit next to the fire. And it really does kind of make sense. Death is pretty natural, whether we like it or not. And so, since Christmas is but a few weeks away, I thought I would share a few Christmas ghost stories with all of you. So get your hot chocolate ready, grab a blanket. The Old Nurse's Story by Elizabeth Cassell Hester, the old nurse in question, probably only in her 50s by the sound of things, is sitting up with her young charges, telling them about their mother, Rosamond's childhood. As it turns out, She was their mother's nursemaid, too, and had been with the family for her entire adulthood. Currently, she's a happily married woman with a beautiful family and a safe, cozy life. But Hester reminds her children of her humble and even dangerous childhood. The children's grandmother was the sweet but shy wife of a poor minister who recruited Hester, a schoolgirl at the time when she was still pregnant with Rosamond. 
When she was finally born, the nurse was instantly smitten with her. There never was such a baby before or since, though you've all of you been fine enough in your turns. Unfortunately, though, when Rosamond was five, her parents both died within two weeks of each other, and Hester refuses to leave her orphaned mistress, travels with her to her mother's family in Moorsland Estate in Umberland. The gloomy mansion is occupied by a stone-faced the gloomy mansion is occupied by a stone-faced woman, Miss Grace Fernval, cousin Lord Fernval. Miss Grace is cold, bitter, and unapproachable, haunted by an unhappy past which the servants refuse to speak of. Fernval Manor, situated at the foot of Cumberland Fells, has a wild thorny park, a massive oak beam, great hall, a spacious library fronted by tall windows, massive fireplaces, and an ancient gothic pipe organ. As they explore the rambling house, they find a portrait of Miss Fernval as a young woman and are struck by her beauty, sneering pride and subtle cruelty. Seeing their interest in the portrait, the housekeeper offers to show them one of Maud, her long-dead older sister, as long as they keep it a secret. She turns around a painting facing the wall, and indeed, the sitter exceeds her younger sister in both her striking beauty and her scornful pride. This seems to be a family trait. Her father, old Lord Fernval, was renowned in his violent temper and stubborn ignorance. Winter draws near, and lashing the manor with snow and ice, Hester grows increasingly unsettled by its odd atmosphere. She sometimes hears the broken organ playing furiously on snowy nights, and the housekeeper, who blames the old lord's restless ghost, begs her to keep an eye on Rosemond. Miss Frumval also seems to be disturbed by something, as one night, to the concern of the servants, she knowingly murmurs, I'm afraid that we shall have a terrible winter. Undeterred, Rosemond and Hester spend lots of time outside in the sharp, clean air, running races and exploring the snow-swept hills and thickets. But as the days grow shorter, darker, and colder, Hester notes wearily that the old lord's ghostly organ music grows more and more stormily and sadly. One brutal night in November, Hester leaves Rosemond with another servant while she attends a church service with the family. When they return, the snow is coming down so thickly that it blocks light from the windows, and the nurse is horrified to find that Rosemond is not to be found. After a thorough search of the house, they discover a set of footprints leading to a door in the library to the fells. She follows them through the blizzard until she runs into a shepherd carrying a half-frozen roseman wrapped in his cloak. She stood up and smiled at them strangely, drawing Rosemond onto her knee. She sang lullabies to her until she fell asleep. The next thing she knew, the shepherd was carrying her home. 
Hester tells the story to Miss Fernvall, and at the mention of the weeping woman under the holly trees, she involuntarily cries out, Heaven forgive me! Have mercy! It was many a year ago, and unconsolable. Keep her away from that child. It will lure her to her death, that evil child. Tell her that it, it is a wicked, naughty child. That night, the blizzard rages viciously, and the old lord's org echo throughout the house. A few days before Christmas, Hester is with Rosemond when she sees the phantom child through the window, standing in the snow, banging angrily to be let in, although her visible screams and pounding on the glass create no noise and lock the doors until she cries herself to sleep. Unsettled by the appearance of the ghost, the housekeeper agrees to tell Hester everything. The manor has a bad name in the countryside ever since Miss Fernval was a young woman because of a tragedy that she caused between her father and sister. Decades ago, the eccentric old lord, who was insanely passionate about wild music, hired an Italian musician to train him in organ playing, and the foreigner, dark-eyed and lusty, quickly stole the hearts of both the sisters. The musician succeeded in seducing and impregnating Maud, and the two married in secret. Meanwhile, he continued to romance Miss Grace in order, or so he told the jealous Maud, to cover up their secret relationship. When Miss Grace finally learned about the child, she burned with jealousy and decided to get revenge and told her father the truth. With rage, the old lord evicted his daughter and granddaughter, whom she had been passing off as a local child she was mentoring, into a blizzard where they sought shelter under the holly trees, where shepherds found Miss Maud, crazy and smiling, nursing a dead child. She soon died after. Hester understands what has made Miss Grace so miserable and cold, but she realizes that her refusal to accept the past has caused the manor, and by extension the family, including Rosemond, to be dominated by a vengeful ghost of the past. Hester is now determined to take Rosemond away from the horrible house, haunted by her family's wicked deeds but a snowstorm pounds the house at night, making it impossible to venture outside. The winds rage and the snow flies, and Rosemond seems to be possessed by the elements, pounding and screaming and raging for the little girl to be let in. Miss Fernval groans miserably as the walls rumble and the windows shake. I hear terrible screams. I hear my father's voice. The old woman suddenly rushes to the great hall, where the screams and organ music are echoing, and Hester follows her in terror. There in the gloom, 
she notes that the chandelier is bathed in a ghostly light. Although it's unlit and the fireplace is giving off the same brassy glow, although there is no fire. There in the dusk, Hester sees a spectral cinema, the figure of an old man in 18th century dress rushes soundlessly into the ghost light, chasing after a tall, stern-looking woman, Maud, with a little girl clutching at her skirts. Rosemond begs to be allowed to follow them into the snowy night, but Hester claps her to the, her chest and suffers. The little girl slaps and blows. Suddenly, a fourth spectral bursts into the light. Young Miss Fernville, looking exactly like her portrait on the gallery wall, watching her father and sister shout at one another in the phantom light, with her red lips curling in pleasure as the sight of her sister and niece being beaten by the old man's crutch. The ghosts are blown into the night, apparently exercised by the aged Miss Fernval's willingness to face them as the pale, fluttering light dissipates and the vision secedes to the shadows of the dark hall. Miss Fernval collapses in a seizure. She's carried up to her bed where she soon dies. Withering in agony of a guilt, guilty conscience, moaning, what is done in youth cannot be done in age. The end is abrupt and a bit jarring. Be generous and slow to anger, young ones, the old nurse warns. Right your wrongs and behave with calm compassion because the ugly repercussions of impulses and abuses may be the last Victorian ghost story that I wish to share with you is just a bit shorter than the last one. I don't plan on going through the whole thing, but I'm sure that you can locate the whole story online if you look. There's no ghost that actually appears in the story. The main character is haunted by a young man long since dead. A few light taps upon the pane made him turn to the window. It had begun to snow again. He watched sleepily, the flakes, silver and dark, falling obliquely against the lampshade. The time had come for him to set out on his journey westward. Yes, the newspapers were right. The snow was all over Ireland. It was falling on every part of the dark central plain, on the treeless hills, falling softly on the bog of Allen, and further westward, softly onto the dark Shannon waves. It was falling, too, upon every part of the lonely churchyard on the hill where Michael laid buried. It laid thickly, drifting on the crooked crosses and headstones, on the spears of the little gate, on the barren thorns. His soul swooned slowly as he heard the snow falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. Thank you so much for joining me 
tonight and whatever holiday you choose to celebrate. I hope it is a merry and bright one for you. And I leave you all with a quote from Charles Dickens. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Have a good one. And remember next time to keep a light on. Keep your blanket close. And maybe don't listen.